I'm Pastor Tim, one of the pastors here at Redeemer. How quickly the cries of Hosanna changed to cries of crucify him. It was really pretty quick, if you think about it. From Sunday, the, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem um, with, with, the, with the palms and the coats on the ground to Jesus going into the temple and flipping over the tables of the money changers to the Last Supper in the upper room and Jesus washing the feet of the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus praying the betrayal and the arrest, Peter's denial, Jesus beaten, and now we stand here at the foot of the cross, gathered for worship. How much has changed in so few days? Friends, I would invite you to stand at this time. And join me in our call to worship. Come, let us gather again in the shadow of the cross of Christ. Of love's ultimate sacrifice. Who would have guessed that the height and depth, the length and width of God's love might look like this? A forsaken Savior on a cross. Certainly not us. Not us, who are too often lost amid the world's distractions and responsibilities. Not us, for whom such love is offered without cost. Let us gather again in the shadow of the cross of Christ and commit ourselves to remember the price paid. Let us live our lives in a way that indicates why this Friday is called good. Thanks be to God, who opened the gates of heaven that we might have the faith, hope, and love witnessed in Christ's sacrifice for our salvation. Standing beneath the cross this day, we remember the tragedy that took place so many years ago. We, we have heard, we've heard the stories time and time again. Together we've sung songs of remembrance, As we reflect on the horror of the cross and the story of Jesus' betrayal, trial, and execution, beneath the cross, we remember the story of sacrifice, of Jesus on the cross. However, today, today, on on Good Friday, we don't merely remember the story of Jesus, for for the story of the cross is so much bigger. It's so much bigger than just Jesus and the old rugged tree. Now, the story of the cross is a story that affects so many more, so many more, not just Jesus, but also, but also you and me. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned. He declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care? They retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out, and he hanged himself. Who cares? 
Who cares about Judas' story? He was the betrayer. Who cares? It was his fault anyways. It was his fault. His story shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter at all, right? We, we say these words with conviction and anger at the one who betrayed our Lord, a called, a called and chosen disciple who made the wrong choice, a disciple who lost faith, a disciple who was more concerned about his gain than, than on Jesus' mission on earth. It, it's, it's only after Jesus is arrested that Judas realizes that he has made a mistake. He had betrayed Jesus, the one, the one who had called him, the one who loved him regardless of his faults, the one who saw his potential and not his shortcomings. But if we were there, if we were there, we would have never betrayed Jesus, right? Yeah. We would have never betrayed Jesus. We would never choose the easy road, decide to make a few extra bucks on the side of our business because we lost faith in the big picture of what we were meant to do. There's no way that we would lose sight of our mission and put the mission of the church to the side of, of not, not wanting to connect people with the love and life of Jesus Christ anymore so that we could make a personal gain for ourselves or for our families. There's no way we would betray our calling to be disciples to do something that makes us feel good in the world. We would never betray Christ's love for us by be, being more concerned with our gain instead of following Jesus. Our finances would never drive our life nor our mission. Judas was the betrayer, but he was nothing like us, right? When I stop to think about Judas's story from beneath the cross, I begin to wonder, is Judas's story my story? Is Judas's story your story? Have you ever put your finances first? Have you ever put yourself before Christ? A passerby named Simon who was from Shireen, was, was coming from the countryside just then, and the soldiers forced him, forced him to carry the cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Of course. Of course he carried the cross. Of course he did. Can you imagine the honor he must have felt in those moments? I bet he held his head up high and proud as he marched his way to Golgotha, the place of the skull. I bet he even smiled as he carried the beam of the cross that would crucify our Savior. His heart must have raced with joy to be so close to Jesus, to help his struggling Savior. But there was nothing glamorous about the cross. Nothing glamorous about the cross, and no one likes being interrupted when they're on their way. But I'm sure, I am sure that all of us good Christian people would have been glad to be stopped by a Roman guard and forced to carry the implement of execution. We would have been honored to do so. I mean, of course, we'd get excited. Because we, we get excited when, when a person from the street stops us on our way to the bank or the post office and interrupts our lives and asks us for help. 
right? Maybe too far out of context. I'm sure we would all leap for joy to be pulled over by a state trooper, to be handcuffed to a prisoner, and to be instructed to be his traveling buddy to the lethal injection chamber at the state prison. It's only 20 miles away. You weren't doing anything anyways, right? There's no way that we good people of faith would ever ignore a struggling person on the street only to rush into a restaurant and order a meal that we could never finish, to take in a home in a doggy bag that we'll never use and will end up in the trash a week later anyways. We all love to have our lives interrupted for the condemned. We're always willing to carry the load for others especially those whose burden is literally killing them. And when, when we stop to think about the story of Simon, Simon of Serene from beneath the cross and, and how Jesus interrupts our lives, I also begin to wonder, is Simon's story your story? Is Simon's story your story? When you're interrupted by the people that society condemns, do you carry their cross? And if you don't, do you think you should? Is Simon's story your story? When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They, they also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven into one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tear it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfills the scriptures that say they divided my garments among them. And threw dice for my clothing. And so that is what they did. Curse the soldiers. What horrible people. Horrible people. How dare they. Not only did they kill Jesus on the cross, but they took his clothes, leaving him naked, hanging on the cross. They took the last bit, the last shred of dignity the man had. And they kept it for themselves. They even rolled dice. See who would get to keep it. Because if they ripped it, it wouldn't be worth anything. They don't even seem to care that he's an innocent man. All that matters is that he's sentenced and that they got to keep his clothes. Now, now, not that it would matter. It's the same for us. If the court says that someone is guilty, then that's all that really matters, right? Crucify him. It's not like us today. We don't do that. We don't look at making money off of someone else's misfortune and claim that we're helping them out. We would never see someone struggling in an impossible situation and buy a piece of property from them at a severely discounted price and say, I'm such a good person for helping them through this situation. No, our Christian character would never allow us to do such a thing, to take advantage in such, such a way and justify it by saying we're helping soldiers beneath the cross profiteering on the condemned, nothing like us today. Where are they? When we pause and think about it, think about the story of the soldiers from beneath the cross, I begin to wonder, is the soldier's story my story? Is it your story? Do we take advantage of Christ? or our neighbors. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. 
When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. Such beauty. Such beauty near death. Jesus looks upon his mother and charges his closest disciple to care for his mother after his impending death. Such beauty and grace. I am sure that these were the only feelings that Mary felt as she watched her child die. Beaten. Executed on a Roman cross. I'm sure the only feeling of her heart was gratitude for the support system that Jesus put into place with his disciples. Because any parent, any parent who has outlived a child knows that the primary feeling and emotion is joy, right? Wrong. But the charge was not simply a charge to Mary, but also to the disciple. The command to the disciple to be responsible for Mary, even though she had other children, was significant, another family. Even, even with the other immediate family members, the disciple was called to care for another member of the family of God. And of course he would care for her. Of course he would. He would live out his charge for what good disciple and follower of Jesus doesn't care for another member of the household of God. I'm sure he never superficially said, hey, how are you doing? Good to see you today. In worship without pausing to let her cry and express the grief that she had, the depression, the pain. Do you think that by Easter morning, Mary was not in pain anymore? When I think about the story of Mary and and of the disciple, from beneath the cross, I begin to wonder, is Mary's story our story? Or, Or is the disciple's story our story? Are you trapped in pain and sorrow? Or are you caring for a grieving mother, father, husband, wife, daughter, son? Is Mary's story your story? One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, huh? Prove it by saving yourself. And us too, while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Criminals. Of course, they'd be insulting. They're criminals. This whole situation is insulting. Letting Jesus, the Son of God, hang on a cross with a bunch of criminals? What do they know anyways? One is just as insulting as the Jewish leaders, and the other one, well, he seems, he seems uh, to accept his failure and his fate. Disgusting, I think, is what they are. I would never be like that. Never. I would never do that. There is no way you would ever see me insulting Jesus Like that, you would never find me in a lousy situation condemning God. Sitting next to my loved one's deathbed, I would never curse God and ask him why. 
when I lost my job or I got the diagnosis or woke up one morning to find that my life would never be the same, the last thing I would do would be to condemn God. No, every time something terrible happens in my life, I'm like the good criminal. <laughs> That's an oxymoron. The good criminal? Really? Jesus, remember me. I don't blame you. Pondering the criminals from beneath the cross, I begin to wonder, is their story my story? How do you respond when life seems to spin out of control? Do you respond? Do you lash out when there's no way to escape? And when all hope seems lost? At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was the son of God. The centurion, a commander of a hundred Roman soldiers, he was a sharp man. He was a sharp man. He knew his job. He knew how to do it well. He was a commander of many, a professional soldier who knew how to kill. He was no stranger to death, no stranger to taking life. Of course, he recognized who Jesus was. After all, he was a somebody, not a nobody. He was smart enough to see the signs. But the centurion was a Roman. He was a pagan. He was not a follower of Jesus. He was not a disciple. He was not an apostle. He was not even a Jew. He was a Roman. And standing before the cross where Jesus hung and died, this non-believer, this leader of the occupying force, recognized the truth of who Jesus was. Of course he did. He was a centurion, a leader of soldiers, only someone with limited intellectual capacity would fail to recognize who Jesus was. So much different than us today. We know who Jesus is. This information changes our life. Jesus is the Son of God, and our lives demonstrate what that means. Surely this man was the Son of God. And since we too believe this, our lives are radically transformed by this reality. Jesus is who he says he is, Peace and reconciliation dominate our lives. Quests for personal gain, earthly things, money and power no longer mean anything to us because we also echo the centurion's refrain, surely this man is the Son of God. Or do we? Reflecting on the centurion's story, from beneath the cross, I begin to wonder, is his story our story? Is it your story? Do you stand beneath the cross and declare with absolute genuine faith and belief, surely this man was the Son of God? More importantly, does your life demonstrate that faith? 
All of this happened on Friday. The day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath, as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was an honored member of the high council and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead, so he called for the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead, so Pilate told Joseph he could have the body. Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth. Then he took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth, and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. Joseph of Arimathea, you too had a part to play in this day of all days. Hiding behind the practice of your religion, hiding your true beliefs for fear that those you surround yourself with would know that you, be, that you believe in this man and that you trust this man, but you cannot remain hidden in the shadows forever. Jesus is dead. It's time to make a choice. It's time to take a risk, to take action, to align yourself with the executed Jesus or, or remain hidden in your position on the council. Of course, we would all be like Joseph of Arimathea. Each of us would risk our career, our status, and position for the fallen Savior. Because what is more important to us, our status or doing what we are meant to do? I'm sure no one here would hesitate to risk their career, their financial well-being, and their, their life of prosperity to care for the earthly remains of Christ. Without hesitation, we would offer up our own cemetery plot, the one that we made especially for ourselves, sparing no expense. When I think of Joseph's story from under the cross, I begin to wonder, is his story my story? Is his story your story? Are you willing to step out from behind the veil that you have hidden behind and care for Christ's earthly remains? Are you ready to take the risk to follow and do what's right? Are you willing to give up your worldly resting place for the sake of Christ? The Gospels give us an account of how those who witnessed the event experienced the death of Christ. These witnesses share many things in common with us today. They even relate to us as a metaphor for our lives we each play a different part in the story, and sometimes the roles change. Sometimes we are like Judas. Sometimes, like Judas, we place our own life and our personal gain before our faith and our trust in Christ. We are like Judas as we live for ourselves and fail to see the big picture that Jesus paints for our life and future. Sometimes we are Judas. Sometimes we are like Simon from Suri. Like Simon, we, we are going about our everyday life and all of a sudden our lives get hijacked by Jesus. Like Simon, we are forced to stop and to take up the cross and to take Jesus with us 
It may not be a part of our plan. It may not have been your plan for today or your plan for the future, but like Simon, you bear the weight of the moment and you carry the cross. Sometimes we are Simon. Sometimes we are like the soldiers. Like the soldiers standing under the shadow of the cross, we blindly follow the orders of the people who are in power over us. We fail to question, to stand up for what is right. Sometimes we are like the soldiers just trying to get whatever we can from life, the table scraps of a lonely profession. Sometimes we are the soldiers. Sometimes we're like Mary, Jesus' mother. Like Mary, we weep at the foot of the cross. Like Mary, we mourn at the sight of the loss in our lives. Just, just as the Son of God could have come down from the cross, things could have turned out differently for us too. But they didn't. Instead, we face the cross weeping, looking upon the Savior who could have changed the outcome but chose not to. Sometimes we are like Mary and we weep and we mourn the brutal reality of life. Sometimes we're Mary. Sometimes we are like the beloved disciple, and like the disciple, Jesus charges us to care for someone who's not related to us, someone that we are not legally responsible for, but the call comes from our Savior to care for them, to walk beside them, to strengthen them, even though we may not choose it. Sometimes we are tasked to be like the beloved disciple and to care for the grieving among us. Sometimes we play the part of the disciple. Sometimes we're like the criminals. Like the criminals hanging on the cross, we mock Jesus and all that he stands for. Consumed by our hatred and our anger toward a world and a world of circumstances, we mock the one that comes to save. But like the other criminal hanging on the cross, sometimes we realize our mistakes and we come to terms with the consequences of our actions. Then, like the criminal, we place ourselves at the mercy of our Savior. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And like the criminal on the cross, we recognize not only our place, but also Jesus' place. Sometimes we are the criminal. Sometimes we're like the Roman officer, like the centurion. We are good at what we do. We follow the rules and lead others in the world. But like the centurion, when we come face to face with the reality of Christ, we come to realize that there is something different about this man, something amazing about him. Even though we did not believe in him, we find ourselves believing, trusting, and hoping in a man who was beaten down before us. Sometimes we're the Roman officer, and then sometimes we're like Joseph of Arimathea. Like Joseph, there comes a point in our lives where we are finished hiding our faith in this man called Jesus. We have remained shrouded in the darkness of our cultures and norms for long enough. And like Joseph, we stand at the foot of the cross and realize that now is the time to act. Now is the time to bring your faith into the light. Like Joseph, we are ready to risk it all to risk our association with Jesus 
the Christ. Sometimes we are Joseph. Jesus' death on the cross affects all people. It didn't just affect those who are closest to Jesus, but others as well. And I believe that it is an effect on everyone who has ever existed. It affected Judas, Simon, the soldiers, Mary, the love disciples, the thieves, the centurion, and Joseph, to name a few. But it also affects you, and it affects me. And it affects every person who's not here tonight. It affects everyone. And it's more than just a story. It's more than a story. It's more than a historical event. Today, Good Friday, is a memory that we all share. Today, we remember the history of what took place. But we also actively recall the memory as we realize that we, too, play a part in this story. Because we are like the people in this story in so many ways. Like them, we, too, fail. Like them, we also mourn. Like them, we are sinners in need of a Savior. And like them, we are redeemed by the work of Jesus Christ on that cross. It's history, it's memory, and my friends, it's reality. Standing at the foot of the cross, I wonder, what part do you play today? My prayer for you, is that you would find yourself today echoing the words of the Roman officer, the centurion, and that you would find yourself this evening standing, standing beneath the cross and declaring with all of your heart and genuine faith that surely this man was the Son of God. Amen.